0: Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's good to be with you all this morning. Um, if you've been being annoyed by someone coughing and spluttering through the service so far this morning, that's me. I'm very sorry. I'm particularly sorry if I shared the peace with you. Um, you're now thoroughly diseased. Um, but do forgive me if I cough and splutter my way through this sermon, but we'll get there together, I'm sure. Um, please to be praying for me, and why don't we pray now, uh, just before we dive into God's Word. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this incredible gospel. God, we thank you for the ways in which it points us to Jesus Christ, uh, the source and author of life. And we pray that as we look to it now, as we look to it this term, God, would we see and know and love Jesus Christ more and more. So we ask that you be with us by your spirit. Be with me as I speak. And each one of us, as we listen to your voice through your word, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, Have you ever started something new? It's a good time of year, isn't it, to think about new beginnings? Have you ever started something new and found yourself asking the question, why am I bothering with this? I wouldn't be surprised if there's a number of people in the room this morning who have set some outrageous New Year's resolution, and what are we, five days in, you're already thinking, what on earth am I doing? Who gives up chocolate for a whole year? Who does that? Why am I bothering? What on earth was I thinking? If I'm honest, I find myself thinking this almost every year at Lent, uh, because quite often I give up uh, one of my true loves in life. Uh, which is, as you may have already guessed, chocolate uh, each year uh, at Lent. And and as often happens around Lent, people ask me, what have I given up? And I'm a broken record to the extent that my wife, Steph, can answer the question exactly how she knows I'm going to answer it whenever anyone asks me. Because they say, what have you given up for Lent, John? And I say, well, I've given up joy this year because I love chocolate. And so I find myself each year asking, why have I bothered? What on earth? was I thinking? What's the point? Today, as as David has said, we're starting a series looking through the whole of the Gospel of John. It's going to take us all the way through to Easter, and that's no small undertaking. It's no small commitment of time. And so you might be asking yourself, why bother? Why take all the time to look through this book this year. And you know, I just wonder, at the start of a new year, if there are some people here this morning who are asking that question in perhaps a bigger and deeper way as well. Maybe 2019 was a a particularly difficult year for you. And it doesn't seem like calling yourself a Christian did all that much to help you. And you're not sure if you'll stick with it this year. Or maybe as you look ahead into 2020 and you think about how you want to spend your time, you're not sure if all this commitment on a Sunday and in the week, being a follower of Jesus is really worth the effort. You're asking yourself, why bother? Why am I doing it? Why bother with church, with faith, with Jesus? Well, the beginning of John's gospel, John lays out what will be the heart and central point of everything he's going to go on to want to say. He's going to unpack the heart of his gospel, the center of the Christian faith. And he's going to tell us in these few, short, incredible verses why we should keep on reading. Why you should keep on believing why we can keep on trusting, why we should care about this man called Jesus Christ. And it turns out, as we turn through each of these chapters and each of these pages, we'll see that all John has to offer us is Jesus Christ himself. Who this man is, what this man has done at the heart of this gospel, of our faith, we pray of this church. All there is on offer is everything. Jesus Christ. And what I believe we'll see is that Jesus is enough. Because John wants us to understand two things in these verses. He wants us to see and believe that Jesus is God himself. And he wants us to know that by believing in Jesus, you and I can become children of God. So let's jump in. Let's jump into this incredible introduction. Uh, And that's exactly what these verses are. Uh, These 18 verses are John's introduction to the rest of the gospel and where he's going to go and i don't know if any of you've had to do any uh, structured or academic writing recently i've just finished a, a degree course doing 3 years of writing essays it's too many essays there's a lot of essays but one of the things that they taught me through my 3 years of writing and studying is just how important the introduction is and i was taught that when you're writing something that in the introduction you have to unpack everything as clearly as possible that you're going to say in the rest of the words that you've got. You want to sum up succinctly and clearly the heart and center of your message. And as we read this introduction, as we read these 18 verses, what we see is that's exactly what John is doing for his gospel. If you understand these 18 verses and use them as a lens to read everything that's going to come, you'll get a pretty good grasp on what he wants to say. And if we had to sum up these 18 verses as as simply as possible, to say what John's central point was, I think we may say something like this. Jesus is a really big deal. In John's language, he wants us to see and believe that Jesus is the word of God. Now, when John calls Jesus the word, he's doing an awful lot of things that today we perhaps don't see. And so to understand that, it's helpful to divide what he's saying into the two worlds that he was speaking into. The, the time and place where John was writing was heavily influenced by the Jewish Hebrew world and by the Roman Greek thinking world. And by calling Jesus the word of God, he's speaking into both of those worlds so firstly John is speaking to his Jewish readers into the Hebrew world and when they heard Jesus described as God's words their minds would go to all of the places in the Hebrew scriptures in our Old Testament where God speaks where God's words come forth And perhaps most significantly, they'd go all the way back to the beginning of the story, to Genesis chapter 1, the story of creation, where we read that God simply speaks and creation happens. God says, and the world comes into existence. Genesis 1 verse 3 says this, God said... Let there be light, and there was light. Hebrew thinkers understood that there was power in the words of God power to create, to promise, to effect, to act, to move in the world. But in Hebrew thinking, God's words were more than just something that He said. God's words were a part of who he was. And in some sense, that's true for us as well, and and something that I think we kind of instinctively understand. Because our words come out from us, and they communicate something of ourselves to the people who receive them. And when people hear our words, they don't just hear abstract concepts, they hear our thoughts and our feelings and our intentions. Think of it like this. If I told you that I loved you, some of you might be really weirded out, and that's understandable because I don't know lots of you very well, but some of you, might, that might affect you, might warm your heart. And that's because it's not just abstract concepts that you've received. You've received something of me of my heart, of my mind, of my feelings. And that part of me acts upon you and has an impact. It's true for us, but it's even more so true for the God who simply speaks and oceans come forth. And so by calling Jesus the word of God, John is making an incredible claim. Because he's saying that Jesus is God. Jesus is God's creative power. God's activity in the world. He's the God who moves and affects and touches his people. He is this distinct part of God and yet at the same time is God himself. Jesus is the word and the word, John says, is God. That's the first thing that John is doing by using this title for Jesus. But secondly, he's also speaking into the Greek thinking Roman world. And he's giving us extra layers of meaning. Because in the world of, of Greek philosophy, the word was an idea that they understood as the creative power behind the universe. It was the deep reason And meaning behind and beneath and within the whole universe at its most fundamental level. It was the reality that held reality together. Wisdom, truth and purpose. This is what John's Roman world understood when they heard the word. And John in his introduction is affirming this. He's saying yes, That meaning and truth and power that you believe is in the world, that you expect to find when you look around you, does exist. But then John puts this game-changing, world-shattering twist on it. Because he says this word is not an abstract principle. It's not some force of nature. It's not some energy that you can just tap into. No, the word is a person and his name is Jesus. John says, if you have this sense that God is out there, you're right and his name is Jesus. John says, if you have this sense that there's something more going on, there's something holding this all together. There's a purpose and a reason. Then John says, yes, you're right, and his name is Jesus. This God, this word, this Jesus, has done something incredible, he says. He's done more than his Jewish readers or his Roman readers would ever dared believe possible and he says it in verse 14 it says this the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth john says that the creator of the universe the reason And reality behind and beneath reality, holding and sustaining everything, has done something we could never have dreamt of. He has become one of us, a human being, flesh and blood, a person in history and geography. In order that you and I and every other person on this world might see and understand who this God is. And so that in seeing, we might receive, John says, his grace and his truth. John wants you to know. God isn't distant. God isn't inaccessible. Purpose and meaning are not far away and unsearchable for those who want to find it. No, they have a name. His name is Jesus. And he has stepped into the world to be present with us. John really wants you to know in the introduction of his book that the name of God is Jesus Christ. And so this year, there are a lot of resolutions that you might have made or that you might want still to make. But can I humbly suggest to you today that there could be no greater resolution for 2020 than resolving to know this God who wishes to be known better. To resolve to come into a new or deeper relationship With him, to find true and deep meaning in him, and to receive purpose and reason, the reason for which you were created. Perhaps it sounds too good to be true, to find life, to find God, to find purpose, but unlike some of the other resolutions you might have set to lose 20 stone and read a thousand books this year, this resolution is actually possible. Because this God has stepped into the world longing to be known and longing to be in relationship with you. And that's why we're going to spend the next term at Greyfriars looking at the book of John. Learning who this Jesus is and what he's done. Finding and believing that he is God with us. Would you join us? Would you come on this journey of discovery? Or perhaps you're here this morning and this is all new and you have lots of questions and you want to go deeper and discover this life and purpose and means, uh, meaning and reason. You want to find out who Jesus really is. Well then can I add my invitation to David's and invite you to our Alpha course starting on Tuesday, The whole point of that course, if you don't know, is to ask just those questions. What is life? Why are we here? What's the reason? If you want to find out more, you can speak to any member of the team uh, or go onto our website, greyfriars.org.uk forward slash alpha uh, and sign up. I honestly believe that for lots of us here this morning, it's the best thing that we could do this year. Find out who this man is. Or perhaps uh, maybe for you, the right next step to learn more about Jesus uh, is to commit to getting to know him better in this beautiful book that he has given us that points to him. Because this God wants to be known. The primary way he's made himself known is through Jesus Christ. And this book points to Jesus on every single page. And there's loads of ways that you could do that this year, but can I suggest just one really practical thing you could do? Uh, Even right now on your phones, uh, download the YouVersion Bible app. And on the Bible app, you can sign up to to follow uh, reading plans. There's two that I think are absolutely brilliant. Uh, If you search the Bible Project on that app, you'll find... Uh, One plan uh, on the Gospels Uh, will take you through each of them uh, over 90 days. That's the one I'm doing. Read it with me. Uh, Or you can find this other one with all of the writings of John, his Gospel and his letters, and it will take you through them in about a month. Just give the next month, the next three months, to finding out who this man is. As you read it, maybe write down the things that you see about how he lives and who he is. Write down the things that the author wants you to understand about his character and his purpose. And as you do it, make 2020 the year where you decide whether you will believe in this man and follow him. Whatever you do, however you do it, why not make 2020 the year that you deepen your relationship with God and grow in your knowledge and relationship with him? That's why John wants us to bother with his gospel, because it will show us Jesus. But that perhaps still leaves a hanging why. Why should we want to know this man? And John has that answer for us as well in this passage. Because Jewish authors actually write a little bit differently to how you and I would write. So when we write, when I was writing an essay for my degree, I was told that I had to put the most important points in my introduction and my conclusion. You know what a person today wants to say when they're writing by looking at the end and the beginning. You get a pretty good sense of what they're saying. But when John was writing, they wrote a little bit differently. They put the most important points in the middle. And we're going to go a little bit Bible nerd here for a second. So come with me. We'll get through it quickly. But if you like nerdy stuff, you're going to love this. Because John 1, verses 1 to 18, is written in something that's called a chiasm. There's your word to get into conversation this week when you go back to work. Chiasm. A chiasm is a, is a literary device that puts the most important point at the center. So in a chiasm, say you've got a paragraph, the first sentence and the last sentence will say the same thing. And then the second sentence and the second to last sentence will say the same thing as each other. And then the third and third to last and so on and so forth until you get into the middle where they make the punchy point, the thing they want you to hear. And you may have noticed uh, as we read through John 1 verses 1 to 18 that it's symmetrical did you notice that he starts by talking about Jesus and then he talks about John and in the middle he talks about Jesus again and then he talks about John and then he finishes by talking about Jesus. We're not going to go into all the depth because I can see a few eyes glazing over but if you look down into the verse by verse detail you'll see that verse 1 and the verse 18 match each other too and so on and so forth all to point you and me right into the middle to verse 12. Because in verse 12, John wants us to capture the heart and purpose of what he wants to understand alongside who Jesus is in this gospel. And he says this, but to anyone who did accept him, and he is smack bang in the middle of this paragraph, he gave the right to become children of God. And then he begins the reflection again, yes, to anyone Who believed in his name. Right at the center of this passage, the greatest emphasis of what John wants to say in his introduction and in his book, we're told that those who encounter Jesus in this gospel and who believe in his name will be called children of God. And John is going to go on throughout this book, come back and find out. He's going to unpack exactly what he means by this. But I think we understand instinctively, if we've been in a, in a loving family, uh, some of the immediate implications of what it means to be children of God. Through faith and trust in Jesus, you and I can come into close and intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father like a son or a daughter with their dad who loves them. You and I can share in the family name, with all its rights and privileges and responsibility, in the new creation we're going to discover as we read this gospel, that God is building. And as children of God, we have the promise of an inheritance. All the riches of abundant life. Life to the full, which God can give us. And John says this is for anyone. Anyone who believes. It doesn't matter your history or your mistakes. It doesn't matter your upbringing or your heritage. If you believe in Jesus and receive what he said and did, then you can become a child of God, adopted into his family. I read a story about an adopted child this week who remembered their mother saying this to them. His mother said, you're different from other children because we chose you. You didn't grow under my heart, you grew in it. If you're here this morning and you've believed in Jesus Christ, do you realize that God chose you? That out of love, he chose you to be his child. He chose to call you his own, to bring you into his family. Later on in John, Jesus is going to say just that. He's going to say, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus chose you. Brothers and sisters, the deepest truth about who you are, perhaps even beyond your own comprehension, is that God has chosen you and called you his child. Before and above and beneath any other way you might want to define yourself, your job, your relationships, your nationalities, your Myers-Briggs type, you are a child of God, chosen by him. And if you're here this morning and that isn't yet true about you, then I'm here to tell you, John wants to tell you that it can be. Come now, or or perhaps you need to go on a, a journey, but come and see who this Jesus is. See how he loves you, how he died for you, how he wants to live in you by his spirit. Receive him by faith and trust. That's what John wants for us as we explore this gospel together, as we live this Christian life, that we would see and believe who Jesus is And that believing in him, we would find life and life to the full. Why don't we pray now as we start this series, as we start this new year, that as we seek God, we would find him. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are here that you can be known, that you've told us your name. God, thank you that that you came, the creator to be with us, to put on our flesh and live a life of a human. And God, as we receive who you are, what you said, what you did, we can find life and life to the full. We can be called children of God. Lord, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters here who who want to know you better. And if that's you, you might find it helpful just to put your hands on your heart or place them out in front of you as a sign of wanting to receive from God. God, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters who long to know you more this year. And I want to ask that by your spirit filling them, they would see Jesus Christ. God, by your spirit, would you stir them up to worship, to meet with you in your word to discover more of who you are. And God, for those who don't yet know you but want to, would you begin to work in their hearts by your spirit? Would they know your love and your life? So Lord, we say at the start of this year, would you come and fill us and show us Jesus? And as we pray, we wait. Come, Holy Spirit.